The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot Good morning, everybody out there all across the ACN network, across central and eastern Washington. This is Marty McClendon, your host for In My Opinion. Thanks for tuning in again on the Saturday morning, the Saturday before Father's Day. Yes, that's right. Today is the 18th of June. Tomorrow is the 19th of June. Hopefully you're celebrating your father that's here on the earth or in heaven as well. If you uh, grew up without a father, there are father figures in your life. Make sure you, uh, you honor and bless them as well. The role, I did a show a couple weeks ago um, dealing with fatherlessness and the effects on kids uh, effect on, on culture, the effects on crime, you name it. It has dramatic effects in the negative when a father isn't involved, when a father is absent from the home. Uh, and then there's, there's also positive numbers as well. When you think about all the good things that come from a father being actively engaged in their children, whether they're divorced or not, if they're engaged in their family, it makes a huge difference. And one of the ones that I've seen uh, repeated in different forms over and over and over again, has to do with going to church. Now, I'm gonna, I'm, I may not have the exact numbers, but the percentages are correct. And I've seen this posted and, and, and studied as well, that when a friend takes a friend, so one of your children is brought to church by one of their friends, uh, that it's about 30% of them actually stay going to church. So it's pretty good. So it's always good to invite our friends to church. It's really, really important because uh, how else will they know? The Bible is very clear. It says that how will they know unless they hear, and how will they hear unless someone sends and tells them, right? So we got to send people or bring people to the truth, uh, the gospel, the eternal salvation. Um, but and then it goes on to say that if the mom brings uh, a child, it's like 50% stay after a while. If mom and dad bring a child to church on a regular basis, it goes up to like 65%. Um, but if a father, uh, specifically a father, makes it important to honor the Lord and go to church and make church attendance, it goes up to almost 80%, where children will not leave the faith. They believe in it. So there's just this impact there where an active, engaged father in a child's life makes a huge difference. Now, there's all kinds of numbers that I can go off as well about success rates, about how they model behavior, and so forth. But I won't today, but I want to honor all the fathers out there. I want to honor all those that play the role, if you will, as you invest in, in young people's lives. Uh, and, you know, the Bible is very clear. When we train them up in the way they should go, uh, they shall not, shall not depart from it in their older years. So that a lot of kids will, re will rebel when they get young adults or adults. Uh, but the Bible says, and God's Word says, that they will come back to it. So take heart in that as well. If you have children out there that you've been praying for and believing in that have sort of rebelled, they will come back. Anyway, so as always, I, I've mentioned a couple scriptures already, but I want to start off uh, by honoring God specifically. Um, this weekend, I actually uh, got the chance to um, say goodbye to my dad. My dad passed away just before Memorial Day, and we um, was cremated, and we had a service for him this weekend, um, actually on Friday. And so it's just, I'm honoring. Obviously, I'm very respectful. There's many things I, I, I love about my dad, but 
I want to share this scripture with you. This is Ecclesiastes 3, and it's true. Said, um, as it, now, Ecclesiastes will oftentimes is attributed to uh, Solomon, King Solomon, and King David as well, but it's really as Solomon, his son, who had everything, had wisdom and so forth, but was, in, was basically searching um, for joy and truth and, and God's will. He says, there's a season, a time appointed for everything, and a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to re refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to keep silent and there's a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. In this last little part, I'll finish up with this. Um, paragraph 11 in Ecclesiastes 3 says, He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except for God. Yet man cannot find out or comprehend or grasp what God has done, his overall plan, from the beginning to the end. Now, isn't that true for many of us out there as we celebrate our fathers and have joy this weekend, that there's a time, God's time, God's timing for everything, that we all have a time to live and a time to die, so it's appointed for us. We also have a purpose that's in desire in our heart to fulfill the purpose. And it's this, this emptiness that can only be filled by God. So I, I love that, that he basically, in the, the author there was saying that ultimately he's placed this in our heart for his joy and his purposes. Now for us, we, we're supposed to enjoy the goodness of this life. We're supposed to enjoy the people of our life. We're supposed to fulfill our purpose in this life, which is, anyway... I want to encourage you all that you are all called according to his purpose and his glory. You have a purpose that's put into your heart. And the only joy, absolute joy you're going to find is when you find it in him. Uh, and then, of course, we have to remind her, as I, like I said, we had the service for my dad yesterday. Um, take advantage. The time is short. We don't know what the timeline is for each person. We don't know what it is for our own life. So if you have an inkling to reach out to your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, do it. Um, tell them how you feel. Um, be encouraged today that um, to not waste time, to know that time is limited while we're here on this earth and we have a job to do, whatever that job is in your life. And of course, now I want to talk about switch gears, as we always do, into the political realm and, and, and what we're going on here in Washington State and across this nation. And of course, start with the nation as well. The news cycle is always amazing to me because every single week, it seems like there's a new story, there's a new breaking news that captures the attention of the nation or the world, while things, other things that were pressing news stories last week don't go away. They're just in the background. They're like this increasing levels of, of anxiety being um, presented to us week by week by week. It doesn't matter what you turn into, unless you're on Christian radio or listening to Christian music or uh, unplugging, you're going to be exposed to a lot of this just bombardment of information. 
most of it um, slanted. Most of it has an agenda to it, whether it be movies, TVs, um, videos, ads, you name it. Of course, we're in election season. And I've come to know that election season really never stops. It is 24-7 year-round. But this year, we have four weeks away from the Washington State uh, primary. The primaries, when um, voters like you and I pick the candidate that actually gets to, that we have to choose between. In most states, it's, you know, Republican, one Republican, one Democrat. So the primaries are party-related, and then the top Republican goes against top Democrat. That doesn't happen in our state. We have a top-two state. So really, you, know, you have a pool of candidates for every office that may be Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, Communist Party, whatever it may be, uh, across the board, and they all throw their hats in the ring. And they all raise money, they all campaign, they all talk about the issues. That's the public forum debate. And then the primary, the top two, regardless of party, goes towards the general election. So basically, when the numbers bear out, typically about 25% of people that are registered to vote actually cast a ballot in the primary. So one-fourth of your neighbors, including yourself if you vote in a primary, are choosing who everybody else gets to choose from. So in November, you have a choice between A or B. And A or B may or may not be of the same party, different parties, or whatever, but the choices are to be made for you. If you vote in the general only, you're voting between what's left, the top two, if you will, that were pared down by one-fourth of the voters. That's why it's so important to vote in the primary. I know Doug and I harped on this on our show on Doug and Marty versus the World, heard across the ACN network at 10 a.m. on this very station, um, because it's important to turn out to get your neighbors to vote, get yourself to vote. But you have four weeks to basically vet all the candidates in every race to encourage your neighbors to vote for the best candidate so that they make the top two and go towards the general election. And the, the primary has a lot of bearing uh, on money. And we know, that, um, well, maybe you don't know, but they say money is the milk of politics. And of course, that goes to corruption, that goes to greed, you know, and all kinds of stuff behind the scenes where that's why you have power brokers and, and these uh, different packs and super packs and so forth under the law. Some of it obviously uh, can get really ugly. But the point is you can't get your message out to people that, that want to hear it, that need to hear it, that would vote for you if they heard your message without money. And it costs a lot of money. Well, these big groups that invest in candidates that, that share our values, but can win and so forth, watch how they do in the primary. So if you have 10 people running for a position uh, and then the top two get through, they'll look at those candidates and see how well they performed in the primary and they'll choose whether or not they want to fund them, meaning give money to them so they can get their message out. It really is a part of politics. Uh, Unfortunately, it's an unnecessary evil People will talk about it because a person who doesn't ask their neighbors for money, doesn't um, have people sponsor their campaigns, typically doesn't get any votes or very few votes. They may be the best person. I, I learned this many years ago. You can be the best candidate in the world, meaning you'd be a great representative, but you may never get elected. And there are people that are great at getting elected that are terrible legislators or candidates. So you got to have a balance. You got to make sure they're good candidates. And they got to be able to win an office. And what that means there, though, is we all have this hesitancy, by the way, to 
ask our friends and family for money. We've, I know there's multi-level marketing and there's all kinds of things where we ask our friends to get engaged and you feel bad about it, right? You don't want to put a burden on your neighbor, your friend. Um, but in politics, it's just the opposite. They, people want to see, the outside people, the voters want to see that people believe in you. They're willing to put their money um, towards supporting you. And so for a candidate, most of the time they have to say, this is what I believe in. I'm not asking you to support me necessarily. I'm asking you to fund me to, to be your voice for these reasons, for this issues. I want to uh, go there on your behalf and fight for these things that you believe in. And that's what you're funding, really. You're funding more than just a candidate winning. You're funding wh- who will back up, who will support the foundations of this nation, the Constitution, biblical values, family values, whatever it may be that, that you are passionate about. You want a candidate that is also passionate about those things, that has a backbone that won't wilt at the time when the vote comes. As a little rant on the primary. I'm just saying it's coming soon. Time is short. And so what you can do, and I'm saying that when it comes to uh, breath, uh, don't lollygag. Uh, If you can do something, even this weekend, while you're uh, having a barbecue, hanging out with dad, you know, encourage them that the world around us looks very scary. And of course, all we're hearing is negative, but it's positive. We We can make a positive turn in literally four weeks because we can knock out these really bad Policy makers, the ones that put in place the policy in Washington State where um, police officers can't pursue um, people that run away from them, the policy makers that um, went to the Supreme Court and so forth that basically doesn't prosecute um, our uh, criminals. So we have rampant crime in our, in our cities, in our state, where we have the homelessness and the drug addiction is actually enabled. We can throw them literally out of office um, in the primary. If we elect, not elect, but vote for two other candidates to move forward in the, in the general election, then the general election is done. I mean, they'll, those two will still fight it off, but the people that have been voting in these policies that actually hurt America, that hurt our families, that hurt our neighborhoods, will be out of office. And they would have no power anymore. And that, that's the key. And the, yes, they would still serve out until the end of the year, um, but they would be a lame duck. And that's okay. Uh, a lame duck. Um, is better than than having them knowing they're coming back again for another session, another two years in Washington or in D.C. Now, for those that don't know, obviously every two years, every congressional seat, all 10 congressional seats in Washington are up for re-election. This is 2022. The primary, four weeks, four weeks from now, is key for those. If you want to send a message to D.C., make sure you turn out for those. The U.S. Senate election with Tiffany Smiley versus Patty Murray. Four weeks to primary. Yes, there's other candidates running for U.S. Senate, but if you want Tiffany Smiley to move forward, you need to go out there and vote in the primary. Um, I think it's about a third of the senators. I'm not sure how exactly how it is. Um, and then every House member is up again every two years as well. So this in, in uh, four weeks. You're voting for state senators. You're voting for state representatives. And so it's it's important to see how well they do, but also to turn out. So I would be, encourage you all to pray, to get some information from your local parties, uh, to get in, contact uh, candidates, ask them what they, um, and, and hold them accountable. Ask them tough questions 
And when you're satisfied with that, now remember, there's no perfect candidate. Um, you know, Christ isn't running for office because he's already on the throne. We know that. But ask them tough questions. See their integrity. See their character. Do you trust them? And then cast your vote. Now, um, people always talk about the, the lesser of two evils. Well, that's in the general election. Oftentimes that comes down to that. You don't have to do that. Find the right candidate. Do what you can to get the word out. Do what you can to give them support. Even $5 goes a long ways. Honestly, if a $5 buys a sign in someone's yard, and that's a huge thing. So it's not a political campaign show today, but I just want to encourage everybody to be aware of how things work and how important it is for us to pay attention because it's very hard. If we're in June, July, this is when people take vacations. And before you know it, the primary is here, and you're like, oh, oh, who, who am I supposed to vote for? Or, oh, maybe I'll just wait. No, make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you vote in the primary. And then stay engaged for the general. Because even though two have gotten through, it's still important to see where all the money's going, where the ads go, and see if uh, the candidates that were pushed forward actually keep saying the same thing, keep doing the right things uh, versus um, caving to the pressure. And I've, I've been in every type of race, and uh, trust me, there's a lot of pressure when you have no money, and there's a lot of pressure when you have a lot of money with it from other people because they, they expect certain things. So that is something to be aware of. On the national scale, though, all of us are feeling these high gas prices. Gas prices uh, are averaging over five bucks a gallon. Five fifty, I think, is going to come in up this week. In some places, we're seeing gas prices at six dollars a gallon, seven dollars a gallon, eight dollars a gallon. We know that um, just about three weeks ago, we pr- reported that gas stations are retweaking their machines to be able to go up to ten dollars or more, basically an extra digit. That right there is just the anticipation. It may be a fear factor, but the fact that we went from under $2 to almost $6 in less than two years is pretty striking. And you think about, well, there's always a root cause. In a free market economy, there's always a, a, a supply and demand. If supply is limited, demand is, goes up, which means price goes up. And so, okay, well, there's usually natural causes. Is there a war going on? Is there a... Uh, a problem uh, where something blew up or whatever. Is there an embargo? Who knows? In this case, though, it's all policy-related. Yes, we have this thing in Ukraine where we're actually sending more money there than we ever have on the border or our own citizens, which is another whole um, problem I have. But you've got um, policies day one, Biden coming into office, Biden um, reverses all of Trump's executive orders, basically trying to do everything he can on the border, making insurance open, uh, stopping all new leases, stopping any permitting for drilling on oil, stopping the Dakota pipeline, stopping the Keystone pipeline, which Trump had approved. Uh, Immediately, gas prices started to rise. Now, by doing that on day one, did oil uh, production decrease? No, but there was a promise that oil production would decrease because of these projects wouldn't be coming online in the future. The market already prices in future production, uh, the new oil coming in. So even though the Dakota Pipeline or Keystone Pipeline would have been more oil into the market in the future, the fact that it will no longer be there in the future, now all of a sudden, now okay, there's less oil in the future, it means we have to price oil higher now. 
Then you have uh, ongoing uh, problems over in Russia and Ukraine and Middle East. You have tensions in Iran. Uh, then you have the president going over and, and begging, basically, Venezuela, begging uh, Iran and Iraq and other countries to Saudi Arabia to produce more oil and give it to us. And they have the strength. They, they've strengthened our enemies to the point where we're dependent on them, which means they can reduce their production as well to drive prices up. So, yes, they're getting our enemies are getting richer, China, Iran, even, even our so-called allies in Saudi Arabia are getting mega wealthy uh, on our pain where we're paying at the pump. And this is intentional. Biden today, in his administration today, could say we're going to open up um, not just our, not our reserve, because that's something they're doing right now. They're saying that we're going to take some of our reserves to ease supply demand. Now, that's like taking from your savings to try to increase, increase your income. That doesn't work. Is there to, for emergency cases? Yeah, I know. It feels like an emergency. But this is a self-made emergency. They can reverse their policies and say, no, um, oil companies, uh, please increase your production. We're going to pr- approve any permits. We're going to approve the Keystone Pipeline. We're going to approve Dakota Pipeline. You may or may not like those things, but just the approval of the process to go forward will once again send the message to the markets that there will be more oil production in the future. Therefore, the, the value or the demand on oil will go down, but there's more supply. How it works, um, prices will immediately start to drop. We saw under Trump, we saw under Reagan, um, when you, you change the policies, you have a pro-energy, pro-energy independent uh, stance, all of a sudden the world wants to lower their costs. This is what Russia did and what Iran did during Trump was they lowered their prices to compete with American oil because we're producing enough. In fact, we have enough reserves in, in the ground to uh, basically power all of the U.S. for hundreds of years. I mean, it's just amazing how much stuff we have here. So don't listen to the lies that you're, you're hearing, but we have to hold pressure. One of the ways of holding pressure against Biden and his administration and the left is a crushing defeat in the, pri- in the primary election and the general election in 2022. So four weeks for the primary, and then in November, throw them all out of the office. Yes, Republicans, take back the House and the Senate in the, in the U.S., do the same thing in the state. You still have an executive at the state level in Inslee who has not given up emergency powers, and you still have an executive at the federal level, and Biden, who I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's obviously, I don't even know how how much capacity he has. Some of the things he talks about, it's just mind-boggling. It's sad to listen to, honestly. But they would still have executive power, but you have a Congress that wouldn't fund it, wouldn't pass legislation, and could overturn it, two-thirds majority, if we elect the right people. So... The state level as well, um, there, the legislature can call special session. That's in the Constitution. They just haven't. Uh, even during the last the COVID pandemic, uh, they had the authority to call back everybody to a special session to deal with the emergency powers. They chose not to. That's why they most of them need to be replaced with new people. Excuse me. <coughs> anyway. That's a lot of rant there as well. But what we see there too, as I, as I honor my dad yesterday, as I mentioned, 
some of the things that he told me uh, growing up, some of the lessons, I talked about this about two weeks ago as well on my, on another fatherless, on the fatherless show. But he always said that, you know, if you do something, do it with your whole heart. Um, if you make your, uh, give your promise, keep your promise, basically keep your word. If you start something, finish it. Um, but he also said, take responsibility. If you made a mistake, fess up, right? Um, take ownership of it. And I know that's a, a, a American culture. I mean, you know, it's a thing that's ingrained in many of us growing up that, hey, look, okay, I own up to it. I, I screwed up. There's also that reward when we make, when we have success. Well, in this case, we have a president who's spent 48 years, 49 years now in public service, if you will. Got elected as a senator, been there forever, done nothing except for, you know, greed and graft. He's never done had a real job. <coughs> Excuse me. Never had a real job uh, except for doing this. And it's hard to pinpoint where he has actually served, but he's been president. He's ran three times, I think it was. Uh, and, and whatever you think about the election or integrity or the truth or the facts, whatever it may be, here's a guy um, who does not take responsibility. He's saying this is the strongest economy uh, in years, in decades, and that's not true. said people are confident in the direction of the, company, company, uh, the country. That's not true either. The high gas prices, the high energy costs, the high uh, grocery costs, the, the limited supply – the shortfalls because we have the we can't get things in from other countries, the uh, escalated fears around the world where uh, we have uh, China being aggressive, we have uh, the the open southern border, we've got um, North Korea rattling their sabers again, we got Putin invading and still fighting in Ukraine, we've got this tragic thing where people are still that served American interests are still behind Afghanistan, people private citizens are still trying to get them out. The things aren't better. Things are definitely not better. When you see an interest rate go from 3% to 6% for home mortgages, when you see a 17% turn in demand on buying houses, people have concern. When you see the national figures now talking about the fact that it was, was first of all, inflation was transitory, and then it wasn't transitory, it's long-term. Then it was, well, uh, we're good, we're robust, You know, we have a high jobs um, uh, rate. Nope. <coughs> and now... Well, yeah, inflation's staying. In fact, we're probably looking for a recession, maybe a depression. This is when you compare these things side by side. We're talking less than 24 months ago. Less than 24 months ago, gas was less than $2 a gallon. Less than 24 months ago, basically the interest rate was almost zero when it comes to lending and borrowing money. The housing demand was off the charts. Multiple offers going up. Um, the job market was great. You had a 40-year high or low, whatever how it goes, the highest, what, lowest jobless rate for Hispanics, blacks, and women uh, in 40 years, meaning more people were working from every demographic, every job race, everybody. They say when, you know, basically all boats float, right? The, the idea is everybody was prospering less than two years ago. And besides all the other things that happen in the world, yes, there's, there's, there's corresponding effects, but these are policies. These are politicians that come in with an agenda. And the blessing, I say, of having COVID, if you will, and having our eyes open is to see openly what they're doing. Uh, legislation and rules to stifle any opposing thought. 
teachers uh, actually in, uh, using material in classes to indoctrinate our kids against their parents, against their parents' values. Planned Parenthood, putting health clinics in schools, giving abortions to uh, kids without parental notifications, encouraging different sexual behaviors as little as early as kindergarten, having groups holding hands, uh, encouraging kids to make their sexual identity choices uh, without parents knowing. These, these are all things that were exposed. So thank God we see it. Now it's up to us to hold those accountable that put this in place. That starts with this election. It starts by prayer. It starts by putting God back where he's supposed to be. It starts by honoring your family first, then your community, then your county, then your state, then your nation, and then the world. That's how we change the world. So we change, start with our family, and we start with our, and getting encouraged in our family to vote, to get engaged, to know, to be aware, to show up to school board meetings. All those things we've been preaching about for many, 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 many months now uh, are bearing fruit. That so just as bad as it looks right now, because policy over the last 20 months uh, since Biden's been in office, or Inslee for that matter, who's been in for like three terms, it could be turned back at just as quickly in the same amount of time. So there's hope there. Elections, obviously God's got a plan as well. So make sure you tune in next week for another show of In My Opinion. Be-